and gentlemen, welcome to Oral Presentations, episode 57, Mortal Kombat of Pastry, The Moth. We are going to be taking a look at a pastry competition that the nation of France holds every four years. That's it. And the candidates who take this exam are the elite of the elite of pastry chefs in France. And if they get through it, it's a three-day test. They are awarded the title and a physical collar of Moth. Which, out of respect, I'll try to do the full name one time, but I'm going to have a hard time with this French. Moth is an acronym. It stands for Milliard Ovier de France. Try to do it quickly. I've never, I've never liked something more while at the same time being so bad at pronouncing its actual name. But we're just going to call it Moth from here on out. Now, pastry, I'm, I'm not huge on pastry. I'm not a huge pastry. I have been eating sweets lately. I've been going, I've been having two small ice cream cones and a popcorn bowl of sherbet in between there. You start and end with a crunch, and I've been eating that and falling asleep right afterwards. Zoo animal. I, I mean, I've probably done that like two, at least two times in December. Anyway, so I've been eating sweets. And it's kind of a holiday topic. Candy, candy counts, I feel like. Squeeze it in there. It's our first home ec episode. We've never had a home economics one. This counts there if we're doing like high school rules. I don't know if they still have home ec or not. I didn't really learn a whole lot. I think we had home ec in middle school. And it's it, it just always somebody left an oven on. And then, and then class was canceled the next day. Or we all had to sit and do a worksheet because somebody burned something. Somebody's burning plastic. <laughs> Kids burning their own belts. I don't know. I'm, I'm sure I did. So I didn't. I probably didn't intentionally burn anything in that class. I can't really remember. There's no way I was. The idea of letting me make things hot. I remember that was kind of befuddling in middle school. We also had metals class. It was a while ago. They let a spot weld shit. I don't know if they still do that. We had like metals class where you had to like tin snip shit and spot weld it. I hope they still do that because it was one of the most fun classes. It's kind of like home ec, but metals is more fun. Anyway, so this is a home ec episode. We're going to learn about French pastry. And so I'm not a huge pastry guy, but what I really like about this is that the moth themselves, it is like a brotherhood of pastry and sisterhood too. They, they, uh, women are allowed to compete as well to achieve this title. It is a brotherhood though, once you get in, because the people who judge you during the three-day trial are the people that are already moths. And if you're going to compete and be a candidate and try to go for the title of moth, you probably already know some of those people. Because moth, what, you're already an established pastry chef, so you're high enough in the industry where people who already have achieved the title of moth will know about you and you may have become friends with them. And we're going to follow the story of three guys as they went through the three-day trial to become a moth. And at least one of these guys had a Manny Pacquiao boxing camp team of moth trainers behind him. Which, I am going to give away the ending of our three characters, which ones did become a moth and which ones were heartbroken at the end. And this was, I think this was like the 2010 class of moths because the documentary came, no, 2009. This is all based upon a documentary called King of Pastry or Kings of Pastry from 2009. I hadn't seen it in forever. And I was trying to think of something that's like sort of holiday-ish, but not like on the nose with Santa candy kind of counts. And then I remembered that, you know, I worked at a chocolate factory when I was in college for, th for three weeks, dude. I had, th I had a three-week career as a chocolatier. I took it so seriously. I remember it was winter break. I was like 19, 
And somebody had a flyer up for like, I don't know, you want an odd job working at a chocolate factory for presents for gifts. And I was like, yeah, dude, I, I kind of sounded like a fun adventure. I didn't really, I didn't know how chocolate worked. I'd never worked there before. So I showed up and they, they put me on the schedule. It was so long ago. This was definitely my fault, but I can't remember why. I was probably just a terrible employee. But so I showed up for the first week and it was, it was like that I Love Lucy job where it's like put the chocolates in the things, make the salt, put it on top. It's like boxing up Werther's. I thought I was doing okay at it, right? So I remember I worked there for like a week or maybe two weeks. And then the next week, they, he just, I just got taken off the schedule. And it was, a, it was like a seasonal holiday job. You know how bad you have to be to get fired in like six days from seasonal help at a chocolate factory? I imagine holidays are, their most, are the busiest times of year. Man, I imagine how bad of a chocolatier I must have been. Because he did take me off the schedule a week after that. I only I only set foot in the chocolate factory maybe ten days, and then he took me off the schedule. And then I, uh, yeah, I just waited. I just waited. I didn't confront him about that. I waited that week out, and then went in the next week and checked the schedule. And I also wasn't on that one. And then uh, did I confront him? I mean, I did ask. I didn't confront him. I didn't go up to him like, "Hey, what's going on here? I, I, I can, I'm gonna be a chocolatier, you." I was like, hey, can I, do you need help, like, after hours? Like, I don't have to clock in. Can I work? And he was like, nah, you're fired. You have, you're, he told me your hands are too slow. Because I asked him why. He said that to me. He's like, your hands are too slow. And it was raining outside. I fucking walked home in the rain. Dude, I, I cried walking home after that chocolatier man told me that my hands are too slow. I have a, I, I must have been 19 or 20. It, it, it would have been right before Christmas. So December... I don't know, 20th, some, some year, some December 18th in the past, I was walking back to my apartment in Westchester after I, I, crying about having slow, <laughs> slow chocolatier fingers, man. I mean, look, I really didn't have a whole lot of an idea about what these guys were hooking in this documentary. So I still don't, I mean, high level French dessert is not something that I would consider my forte. But I did have a, a small tryst in the chocolatier field. Which, by the way, there's a whole separate moth test for chocolatiering. Because the French government puts on moths. It's for different... It's to show that you're the highest level of tradesmen in your given area of expertise. So we're going to be covering the pastry moth. But there's moths for carpentry, uh, for barbers, any sort of trade. And the French government does it to be able to highlight the value of trade workers in economy as well as academics and put them on an even level and be like, Hey, raise them up. Like, cause if you, beca- if you win the moth, if you win, if you get past these three days, the president's there in the documentary, Nicholas Sarkozy showed up to hang out with the guys who become a moth. It's a huge deal. It's only once every four years, which is what kind of builds the drama of it. Cause as we follow these three characters, which I'll introduce now, these guys have definitely been thinking about this test date for at least a year. So the anxiety is building of like, I know there's a three-day competition coming up. I got to prepare the best I can. And if I do it, it's one of the hardest things ever, but I'll have this title for the rest of my life. And I'll be known as one of the highest pastry chefs of all time in France, but it is going to be remarkable. And they just, they try to go to bed on that every night. So the three guys that we're going to follow, our first is a dude named Jackie from Chicago, or Jackie from Chicago. He's a pastry chef, uh, works at a culinary school. He does have a girlfriend and a couple of kids, and I only say that because 
in the doc, the families are so interesting to watch because they are also dealing with living with either their boyfriend or husband who is going after this Moff title. And all three of these guys are, I mean, Philippe, not as much, but at least two out of these three, if they were my friend, I don't know if they're, if you call them obsessed with it or not, but if they were, if they were my friends, I would really hope it goes well for them. I'll put it that way. Where it's like, and Jackie's one of those where it's like, man, I really hope this goes well for you the way you're talking about it. And then when you see his wife talk and kids play and having a good time, you see it like the wife is totally supportive of him, but also you could see some worry there. A little bit like an astronaut wife a little bit where it's like, all right, I know he's got to do this, but man, do I hope this works out. So that's one of the guys we'll be following through the moth, Jackie from Chicago. Second guy is a man named Regis from France. Now, Regis, there's no limit on how many times you can attempt to become a moth if you make it to the finals. Because there's a screening process. You have to, you have to win the prelims. You have to get past the semifinals. And the class that we're looking at it was 16 strong. We're going to follow the three stories, but it was a total class of 16. And that was whittled down from a class of 70 semifinalists. So these are the elite of the elite pastry chefs. Now, Regis has been here before. Again, there's no limit on how many times he can do it. He had done it three times prior to filming. In the dock, this is his fourth time going after the title of Moth. And he has a wife. And they only run Moths every four years. So he's already dedicated 16 years of his life to going after this title of Moth. And that's... And Regis, great guy. Seems like a really nice, warm guy. Definitely obsessed with this, though. His... They built, because they've been together for the whole time he's been going after this, for 16 years. So in that time, they bought a house, and Regis made the basement into a competition kitchen. Because he knew, and he they talk about it. And they there's like a, a friendly banter between them. But you can also see like the wife at the end was like, yeah, sometimes I just tell him to go down there and live down there, you know? And, you're like, and Regis is the other one out of the three that I'm like, man, I really hope this works out for you. Because you have done this for 16 years. Huh? You're going to go for an even 20 if this doesn't work out. Now, when Regis competed last time the Moth came around, one of the last things they do, some guys do it on day two, almost everybody does it on day three, is create a sugar showpiece, which we're going to go into in more detail in a second. But the short of it is, it's a sugar sculpture that's heavy. It's kind of like carrying a sheet cake. Once you build it and it doesn't break, then you have to also transport it, if you're a candidate for the moth, to the show, the show area, the dining area. Because you're in the kitchen, it's constructed in the kitchen, and then you are required to walk your own sugar showpiece and the other pieces you have into the dining area. Now, when Regis was competing last time in the moth, on the last day, at, he was just exhausted. He was just, his arms were shot. He was walking his sugar showpiece to the dining area. He was done with it. And it imploded on him. I don't know if you've ever seen... I, I hadn't. I don't think I've ever seen one of these things explode before this. Or before the first time I've seen these docs. When a sugar showpiece cracks, dude, it goes everywhere. It is a dramatic catastrophe. And that's what happened to Regis the last time. Which was his third time when he was taking them off. He must have thought... But at least he has a story for, the, for why. So he's like, alright, my fourth time. We'll be alright. We had that, that catastrophe last time. We'll never have that again. It's okay. So he has a story to tell himself to go after it for a fourth time. And his wife seems totally behind him, you know. But also, 
Come on, Reach. Look, 20 years here. Come on. Let's get it. And then the third contestant we're going to follow through the moth is a guy named Philippe. Now, he's the most laid back out of the three, at least on camera. He works at a, uh, a three-star Michelin restaurant uh, that was the first female owner of a three-star Michelin restaurant in France at the time. And so it's, it's really busy. He does desserts, and his wife does all the chocolate desserts uh, in the kitchen at the same place. Uh, and it's said that Philippe, he makes things for his kids at home, and he stresses in an interview that, like, if my kids don't like it, I just don't make it anymore. So he has it. He uses his his small children as like, is this good? Is this bad? I don't know. Which was an interesting way for him to gauge his own work, as opposed to at least what they showed was that Jackie had a number of different moths tasting and giving him pointers and things like that. Where Philippe more or less goes with like, all right, do my kids like it? I don't know. He has the Philippe is the most the most uh, like French attitude at like the most laid back that I admire about him is that like, Oh, you do just seem like a more calm guy. Don't you? Where they describe that the French way of eating is that you have like a little bit of the most excellent food, but only a little bit, just a tiny bit of the most excellent food, but just a small amount every day, as opposed to, I don't know, somebody who eats two ice cream cones and a popcorn bowl full of sherbet to fall asleep. And it's, I, but Philippe seems like a guy who could do that excellent, eat a little bit of a baguette, put it away. If I buy it, if I buy a baguette, dude, I eat the whole thing. I used to buy, I haven't done this in a while, but like, I remember I, like, I, you ever buy a bag of chicken nuggets? It's like 10 bucks. It's a full bag of chicken nuggets. That's a meal for a while. I was, I would make, the, I put the whole bag on a plate. And then extra salt, it was probably late when I was eating them. Whole bag of nugs on a plate, put it in the oven. As that gets ready, get the sauce plate going. You got a sauce plate, you're going to make like a clock pattern with your sauces. You're going to go ketchup up top. Then you go spicy mustard to the left. Then you go honey at 9 o'clock. Go buffalo, then barbecue. And then you round it up with like ranch or blue cheese, whatever you want to combo with the buffalo and you put you put the honey next to the spicy mustard so you can mix up your own private potion of honey mustard if you so desire how far away from that like french attitude of eating is that bag of chicken nugget plan is that i don't know if you can get farther away than that like i'm gonna, I'm gonna go get a horse feed bag and i'm gonna make a, a clock face of sauces and fall asleep but i haven't done i haven't done a, a bag of chicken nuggets in a while but when they when they said Philippe is the most laid back, I could eat a little bit of the best stuff ever. Then I'm just chilling. I'm hanging out. I'm making my kids laugh. And that's our third contestant, Philippe. All right, so let's take a look at what is going to be expected of our contestants over this three-day testing period to see if they earn the title of Moff or not. Now, each contestant, when they come to the three-day test, is going to bring about 40 recipes with them. Ready to go. Now, the kitchen will be stocked once, the, once day one starts. The kitchen's already stocked for you, but they have already pre-planned out 40 different recipes that they look to get done in a three-day window. That already sounded like a lot to me, honestly. That sounded like so much, and I don't know shit about, I mean, obviously, given my college experience of maybe like six days at a chocolate factory, I have no idea how hard this work actually is, but it seems really complicated. Now, of these 40 recipes... Some of them are mandated by the moth of pieces that they have to make. Things like the sugar showpiece, a wedding cake for the year that this was, the, the theme was wedding. Uh, also a bijou. Now, a bijou is the only piece, it's like a capstone to somebody's application to become a moth. 
It's a sugar sculpture that you can spend all the time in the world at and your own house in preparation. You bring it completely assembled, done, ready to go in a glass case, and that's required for you to bring it for your application to become a mosh. It's called a uh, bijou. Now, with all these dudes, 16 different people going at it with 40 different recipes apiece, there is some strategy to this. Specifically, Jackie talks about it, where he did the math on 16 contestants times about 40 recipes each. That's 640 bites of dessert food for each judge. So Jackie thought ahead and was like, all right, I'm going to keep it light. In any possibility where I can go fruit as opposed to chocolate, I'm going fruit and I'm keeping it light because I want a happy judge even before he takes a bite of it. Just looking at it, he knows he doesn't have another heavy chocolate bite coming his way. So there was some strategy and pre-planning. That go- I think Jackie had the worst anxiety, at least visible, that showed up on camera because he was talking to, like he used to make his girlfriend in preparation for this moth. He was taking it so seriously that his girlfriend would have to tell him every night before he went to sleep that it's been canceled. She would have to be like, hey, your friend Sebastian called. Here's the thing. The moth is actually canceled. It's totally off. You know, maybe we'll try again later. And Jackie says that, like, she had to do that so well that he had to kind of believe it to be able to go to sleep. Otherwise, he couldn't sleep. Or if he did sleep, he would have nightmares about the three-day test to be a moth. So Jackie would, Jackie did quite a bit of planning. He was the guy with the Manny Pacquiao team behind him, too. So an example recipe, because 40 recipes sounded like a lot to me, just to begin with, and I don't know how complicated they are. Jackie's wedding cake that he made in this competition. This is the recipe, and this is one of 40 recipes that, that Jackie had going into this, and everybody else had about 40 of a similar type of recipe. So Jackie's wedding cake. First off, it was dome-shaped. He wanted something different to be able to catch the eye of the judge before he even takes a bite of it. Now, step one, if you're making Jackie's wedding cake, you got to get 100 grams of vanilla mousse. You got to sandwich that in between two bowls and put that bowl sandwich in a blast freezer for half an hour to 40 minutes. Again, you got to cut. A lot of this is feel. Also, each one of these steps could totally fuck up this whole thing. So careful, but, you know, go with your gut. Again, this seems so complicated to me. So, step one, 100 grams, put the bowl in bowl, put it in the blast freezer, half hour to 40 minutes, make sure it's hard when it comes out. Step two, hopefully, I mean, obviously, you've already made the raspberry puree, right, at this point, because take the thing out of the blast freezer and then flip it upside down. Now, by the way, it's really got to be frozen or else you got to start over at this point. So, flip it upside down, hopefully it's frozen. Put the raspberry puree inside of it. Now you have two layers, and we're eventually going for seven layers on this wedding cake. Those are your first two layers. Step three of this wedding cake. Put that two-layer bowl aside, okay? Now you got to go make another one, but now this one's got to be smaller. Do the exact same thing you just did, whole blast furnace thing. Eventually, what's going to happen here is that we're going to rush a nesting doll, these two bowls together and it's going to make a seven layer wedding cake okay but we're not there yet just go make the small one again make sure that it, it, you got to keep it in long enough or it'll ruin the whole fucking thing man step four now get the smaller frozen one back we're going to put three different various custom levels inside of the smaller one one of them one of the layers i, I noticed i didn't know what this was it's called a dequoise apparently it's the in-between of a sponge and a meringue with nuts in it, aka 
it looked like it would be like a spongy type of something that would be kind of crunchy. But that was one of the custom layers in this wedding cake. That's just one. Also, you got to get that one right, too. Again, if you mess up any of these layers, this whole thing is bad. Step five. Now, turn the whole thing upside down and put a crunchy layer at the bottom. It's like a Nature's Valley bar. That, that's what it looked like. But you got a Nature's Valley bar. And then go blast freeze the whole thing again, okay? All right, now go back. Go get that smaller one. And now we're going to put the smaller one in. This is Russian nesting doll time. Merge the two. And now you got to glaze it a couple of times and then go blast free it and then bring it back out. And then your last step is that you got to use like a t-shirt airbrush gun like you work at the Echelon Mall at a kiosk. And then you got to hit that thing with that at the end. And that's the last step. And then your wedding cake is done. Now that is one out of 40 recipes that Jackie brought into this test to give you some idea how complicated this was. And again, any step of that and you ruin the wedding cake. When Jackie was tested it, he would have the other moths that were training him around. So he would make a mock one of these and then they would just look at it. They'd take a bite at it. And just if the gelatin was off just a little bit, the taste was bad. The cake wouldn't slide together. The whole thing is so complicated. But that's just one of the 40 recipes that I would have put an example in here that Jackie would bring into the moth competition to give you an idea how complicated it is. All right. One of the things that our contestants are going to be required to make is called a sugar showpiece. Now, this is different from the Bijou. The Bijou already comes assembled, ready to go, not a Lego set. They just bring that thing, set it up. You're good to go. Now, a sugar showpiece, you're allowed to bring 50% of this from home. So, for example, Regis had his father-in-law use a, uh, like, carve out a specialty, kind of like a tree stump that he used a Dremel on. It, I mean, I'd call it beautiful. It looks great. Anyway, so you're allowed to bring half of this thing from home. Regis brought the beautiful tree stump that his dad made that his father-in-law made, but only 50%. And you have to be able to decide how big that's going to be because the other 50% has to be pulled candy or taffy that you make during the competition. So there's an equation here of, okay, you want a big showpiece. I want to make a big one. I want to impress the judges. However, if I make a big one, I got to bring a big piece from home. And then I got to make it twice as big on the day of the competition. And ultimately what I'm fighting against here is weight. Because however big this thing ends up being, I'm going to have to carry it that half a football field at the end when my arms are going to be blown out on day three. So that's the equation that all three of these guys, all 16 of the contestants had to do. But specifically, all three of these guys had to juggle around like, all right, for my sugar showpiece, how, how big is this tree stump that my dad's carving for me that I have to make the other half of it's got to be pulled up? And also, how strong are my arms? One thing I was surprised at, that nobody like was crossfitting. I kind of expected somebody to be out there, I don't know, holding a, <laughs> holding a tire and walking around and trying to like, like mock how you were. Nobody trained like that. I don't know. They didn't really take it seriously. Uh, that might be a really dumb guy take on this. Like my expert take on the moth is like, actually, you should probably do some bicep curls. I can pretty much make a moth for you. This, everything else is so much more complicated. Bicep curls are not needed, but it's something they have to think about when they decide to plan out the recipe for the sugar showpiece. How big do I want it versus, all right, how difficult is this thing going to be to complete because I got to make it twice as big when it gets there, and then I got to carry the whole fucking thing. So the sugar showpiece, and this is the heartbreaker because most of it's on day three, and the last time they ran a moth, Regis on day three, his crumbled into a thousand tiny little pieces it was just it was shattered glass and dreams all over the ground for reeds last time so we're hoping none of that happens but that planning ahead for this recipe all these guys had to do this math on this 
final preparations before competition. Now, out of the three of our candidates, Jackie decides to run a full-on mock dry run of the three-day event and looks to follow his Excel spreadsheet of like, all right, five minutes here, five, 15 minutes here, 10 minutes here. And it was recommended by his team of Manny Pacquiao boxing moth trainers. They were like, hey, you are going to need to understand this tempo because you're going to feel behind immediately. Now, Jackie does run a full rough draft of like, what does this look like? How catastrophic does it go? Can I pull the sugar piece? What's going on? Oh, that was another thing. They said that humidity was sugar's, like a candy maker's worst enemy. And I, I wanted to put the sidebar in because I didn't understand it when they were saying this. So humidity versus candy. All right. Candy makers do hate humidity. The perfect humidity for candy is about 35%. And high humidity above that causes softness in candy, which I'm not sure if this is the same thing, but like saltwater taffy when it gets all gross to the wrapper. I could see it. It's humid days. I don't know if that's heat or humidity, but that's how I thought of it in my head. Now, the way you solve that is that some people choose to cook their sugar about two degrees hotter than they would normally. But the risk you're running there is that if you cook it too hot, then your sugar becomes brittle. And then when it's time to transport your sugar sculpture at the end, you're going to run a higher risk of catastrophic failure. I just want to put that sidebar in here for what humidity and candy meant. And it helped me understand that, like, oh, my God, there's so many moving parts to this. This can go wrong all to all places. Night before the competition, there's a rules meeting. All the candidates show up. The MOFs, who are also acting as the judges, are there. Somebody speaks for the organization. And everybody is all the way serious. The contestants, the MOFs, every, everybody knows why we're there. I mean, all the contestants have been working for at least a year to get there. Regis's wife. Regis's wife, 16 years. Come on, Reg. Reg has got to be nervous. <laughs> oh, the one thing, uh, Jackie's, uh, Jackie from Chicago's wife f- put a note in his, uh, I think it was his chef pants. I'm not sure where, but the first day of the competition of the moth, Jackie discovered a note that said like, oh, I love you. Da, da, da. I just thought that was nice. I thought that was a nice thing. I wanted to put that in there. It's a nice thing for Jackie to find day one, you know? Difficult thing you're doing here. It's nice to find a note like that. All right. Day one of the competition kicks off. Everybody gets going as fast as they can. Some people fall behind a little bit more, but no catastrophic failures. Nobody's making a sugar showpiece yet. The one thing when when competition started, like, man, the moths that are the judges that also may have been the person who taught you this or inspired you to start learning about this 30 years ago are right over your shoulder for this. If you've ever, any sort of physical skill you've learned, if like, think about the guy who taught you the most, and then he's just over you watching your work. And not saying anything, just watch. And he can write something down every, in the middle of nowhere, but if he's your good friend, he might fuck with you and then like act like he's writing something down when you didn't do anything. I think that would be kind of a harsh joke in the moth environment, but maybe for like a lower level test, but this is like these guys' whole lives. So probably not a good joke to do in a moth environment there. But anyway... Day one kicks off, wraps up, chef must leave the kitchen. Now, as they're leaving after day one, their surprise meeting gets called. And it's announced that every contestant has to make, in addition to their 40 or so recipes they already have, and some guys are already pretty far behind, and they're talking in the hallway of like, I just couldn't, I couldn't dip my chocolate. I don't know what was happening out there. I felt like Chris Wood in a chocolate factory. I don't know what the fuck I was doing. 
So already having problems, it's announced. All right, you're going to have to make 10 Vereens, which are, uh, they need to be triangle shaped. Five of them have to have the bride's name on them. Five of them have to have the groom's name on them. And that's on top of the recipes. It's like a surprise. It's like a landmine that these guys didn't know. It's an additional part of the test. When already guys get, some guys get out of day one and they're like, I'm so, I'm pretty fucked. Honestly, I'm pretty far behind. I don't know what I'm doing. And then they get an extra task thrown on top of it. All right. Day two. New group of elite moth pastry chefs over your shoulder. So if you didn't have your buddy yesterday, you might have him today. If you had him yesterday, he's gone now. Sorry if that made you feel good. A bunch of others, I mean, celebrities, at least to you, if you're in the, pa- in the pastry industry, right over your shoulder watching everything you do. They check your garbage to make sure you're not cheating. Maybe they're writing stuff down. Maybe not. I don't know. Day two goes all right. And some people start to build their sugar sculptures. Specifically, Philippe decided to get a jump start on his sugar showpiece that he has to carry out, the one that he has to build half of. So Philippe builds it on on day two. Everybody else starts doing uh, chocolate sculptures, but nobody really tackles the sugar showpiece except for Philippe. He gets his all the way constructed, puts it in a special box to keep overnight with, I think, chlorine, he said, to be able to preserve it so that the sugar doesn't become more brittle. Hopefully fights off the humidity and it's okay for tomorrow. But that's the end of day two. Also, end of day two, judging begins. Now, the judging is from a one, or it's from a zero to three scale. And the way it was described is threes, you got a future moth. Zero and one, you don't have to worry about. But they describe two as the bastard. Because all the moths want to make another moth. They really want another moth. But they also do not want to give you it for free. So they say two in the scoring of the moth is the bastard. End of day two meeting. Everybody's pretty worn down at this point in time. They announce, all right, day three, if you want the opportunity, you're allowed to come in at 6 a.m. And I think they were starting at 8 a.m., so they were allowed an extra two hours of work time if they want to come in at 6 a.m. And this is the end of day two. So guys are already, I mean, you had to sleep the night before day one. You probably didn't sleep a whole lot last night. And now on day three, it's offered to you Hey, man, you can, you can get some more work done, but it is going to cost you hours of sleep. So start of day three. The candidates get there at 4 a.m. Let's say they left at 10, got home at midnight. They're right back at 4 a.m. They show up. They get dressed. There's a rules meeting. The moths announce, all right, if anything breaks, we'll do whatever we can to help you as much as we can. Good luck, because they all know that this is day three, and this is sugar showpiece time. So some guys have more left to finish than other, but they all start out at 6 a.m. Some people already start transporting their smaller dishes from the kitchen area into the show area where the dining area where they'll be judged as like the full platter of everything they made. And some people are start they're still pulling taffy. It's day three. Whatever you have left, you have to try to get done. And people are throwing away pieces of what they had planned to do. Specifically, Jackie was supposed to, um, he had planned that he was going to blow taffy for uh a couple pair on his sugar showpiece. He just ran out of time. He had to tell his wife after day three when they were waiting to get judged. She was like, well, how'd the couple go with it? And he was just like, well, I didn't make them. And then you see Jackie's wife be like, jeez. Like, she tries to hide it. She's like, all right, that sounds good. And she's like, he fucking didn't make What do you mean he didn't make them? But everybody's trying to get done whatever they can on day three. 
Now, Philippe's sugar sp- sculpture was already done on day two. Now he goes to transport on day three, and Philippe's sugar sculpture implodes. Philippe has some bad luck. It goes everywhere. It And it was a, gr- I mean, the way it looked, I don't really know how to judge it, but it was an ornate, it looked like a Monopoly man holding a bunch of cake pops. I mean, it looked cool, and then he picked, and it just went, man, those things shattered like fluorescent light bulbs. I remember... We ever find a you ever find like a box of fluorescent light bulbs when you're in like middle school? Man, how fun. <laughs> Somebody told me that fluorescent light bulbs are going out of style and I thought about I felt bad for like young kids who aren't going to find a box of those to blow them up because they explode and go everywhere when you throw them. But apparently fiber optics is going to make them obsolete. Anyway, Philippe Sugar sculpture just everywhere and the mo- dude, he tries to keep it together. He leaves the room. There's it's broken sugar everywhere. The moth judges are all looking down. They're kind of sweeping up. Philippe comes back in, and some of the moths go on his shoulder, and they're like, "Hey, look, dude, you've done well. This doesn't disqualify you. You know, you, you can keep going." And Philippe is trying to keep it together, and he's like, "All right, I'm going to make a couple of birds, and we'll see what happens." So he's doing. He's trying his best. This is his childhood dream. He's trying his best to make these two birds, and he just he just breaks down crying. He, he needs a minute. Yeah, his sugar, it went everywhere. He is just crying. And the moths around him that are the judges, they see all this happen. They saw him be like, all right, I'm still going to make birds or something that sucks. I'm going to keep going. And then he they start crying because Philippe's crying. And now the judges are crying. There's, there's broken sugar everywhere. Day three, slaughterhouse. Oh, meanwhile, it's time for Regis to move his sugar sculpture. His, I'm sorry, his sugar sculpture again? Remember last time where Reach had that little problem where he had the last thing he had to do? He goes to move it again, and it happens to him again. The same thing happened. His, his sugar showpiece broke apart. He had to salvage whatever he could from it. And he carried whatever was left, and he put it on display. I couldn't believe that, dude. That happened a second time. How many nightmares did Regis have about that happening? And he goes to move it, and... It, it just blew up everywhere. The only guy who, Jackie got his sugar showpiece out there, the one that he had to build half of, and it joined his, uh, oh, what was that name of that thing? Bijou got there. It joined his Bijou as the other sugar sculpture he had. But yeah, Philippe and Reege kind of having a hard time there. But what's done is done. At the end of day three, Everything's put on display, and the judges tally their score up. Now, while the judges are tallying, all the family and friends and loved ones who accompanied all the contestants are free to tour around and take a look at everybody's work. Let's take a look at your table. And what this kind of turns into is if you had your sugar showpiece break, and let's say you didn't tell your wife, your name is Regis, and then she comes in and sees a broken sugar showpiece, could be a couple of awkward eye contacts going on in here when you have to be like, ah, oh, yeah, that broke again. I couldn't believe it, you know? <laughs> anyway, you know, I don't know. Huh. But the family and friends and the contestants, they all wait a couple of hours, and then they're all called together in a big meeting room. Now, the head of the moth comes up to speak, and when he's going to announce the names, he already starts crying. That's what I, maybe what I like the most out of this story is that there is like a, a camaraderie to this where like he know he starts crying because he knows that almost like he's only going to read maybe five of those names 
and that everybody's friends and family are in this room. And the guy, oh, the guy who is actually making the speech, the head of the moths, he himself took this test three times. So when he gets up, when he got up to read the list of names and he just started crying, it was, he was just thinking about the times there. He was, he said he was thinking about when he, uh, he was in the audience those two times and his friends and family were fucking next to him and it, it just didn't happen for him. So the guy who's making the speech is falling apart as he's reading these names out. So who out of our crew do you think got it? I'll tell you one. I'll tell you one who did get it. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for Philippe. Sugar, it broke apart. He still got it. His shit broke all the way apart. He made a couple of Wawa birds and made everybody cry. And he still, he still did it. Well done, Philippe. Unfortunately, Jackie did not get it. Jackie uh, from Chicago, it didn't, it didn't work out. Also, that wedding cake recipe, that was Jackie's. He made that. That was, and he didn't get it with that wedding cake. Nope. And then, uh, come on, Reed. How did they didn't do it? He didn't do it. Reed just didn't do it. He go, he was like, oh no, didn't work out. And then at the end of it, he's like, his wife is just fucking staring at him. <laughs> oh, poor Reed. Anyway, guys, episode fifty-seven, Mortal Kombat of Pastry, the Moth. If you have a second, uh, and you're not, you know, you're hanging out, doing nothing, check out Kings of Pastry. It's on Amazon for like three bucks. It's pretty great. Um, thank you guys for listening to the show, and uh, I'll be back on Thursday with Patreon, and then uh, next Monday with the public. Thanks so much, guys.